0: You would open your uh, New Testaments to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we're going to study from that place in just a moment. As you're turning there, I'll ask you a question. When you hear the word addiction, what goes through your mind? It's probably not something good or something positive because typically we assign a negative meaning or a negative connotation to the word addiction. We're addicted to certain things that might affect our bodies in a negative way. We hear of people that are addicted to substances, that abuse substances, and and that can be detrimental to one's physical well-being. But we also hear of those who are addicted to certain behaviors or activities that are not conducive to their spiritual well-being. We don't typically use the word addicted in a positive way, but we're going to do that this morning, because there is a verse that is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, the New American Standard uses the word devoted, but it's interesting that if you have a King James translation, the word that is actually found in that work verse is addicted. It's a statement that's made about a, a, an individual and his household, and that is Stephanus, And what Paul writes about them as he brings this letter to a close is that they have devoted themselves for ministry to the saints. That word devoted could be translated addicted. Now there's a positive addiction. I want us to think about what their lives must have looked like for just a moment. Here's a a family. And the head of the family is a man by the name of Stephanus. And the Bible says of him and his household that they are addicted to ministry. And the word ministry simply carries with it the idea of service. And in this particular passage, not that we shouldn't be devoted to serving others, devoted to serving those outside the body of Christ because our lives really are to be about service. But here, the addiction... The devotion was aimed at Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and if you've ever studied that letter, you know that there were a lot of problems in the the congregation, in the church that was located in that particular area. But here's something good about that congregation. Here is a man by the name of Stephanus and his household who, in spite of all the issues... All the things that were taking place in that congregation, they were devoting themselves to service. Now, there's a lesson to be taken from that in and of itself, and that is that sometimes we allow the negativity that's going on, not just in the world, but maybe around us, among our brothers and sisters in Christ, to discourage us. And yet it didn't discourage them. In fact, they were a model. They were an example of those who were serving What does it take to become addicted to serving God? What what does it take to become addicted to to ministering and reaching out to brothers and sisters in Christ? And as we ask that question, I think we need to look at our lives and, and, and just wonder out loud to ourselves, does my behavior bring me anywhere near, anywhere close to that condition of life of which it can be said that I'm addicted to serving my brethren. I, I, I'm devoted to, to serving them. I think if you take a moment and, and think about what that looks like, you'll come to the realization that I've come to realize, and that is that we all have work. I have work to do in order to become that type of person. I want to begin by stating here from the outset that as we look at this, this concept of being addicted to service. The first point is the first point that could probably be made in every sermon, and that is it's a matter of the heart. It truly is a matter of the heart. It's not just checklist religion. It's not that Stephanus gets up every day and, and he just puts together some checklist. Maybe he did that. And, and at the end of the day, he looks back at the checklist and as long as he's, he's checked off most of the bullet points, then he feels good about where he is spiritually. Now, I think this was an inward change that produced outward behavior. Now, here's the point I want to make by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 16. You'll notice in verse 15 he writes, Now I urge you, brethren... And then the rest of verse 15 is a parenthetical statement. Verse 16 is the continuation... I urge you, brethren, that you also be in subjection to such men. That's verse 15, jumping directly from 15 to 16. But if you look at this parenthetical statement, he says, You know, the household of Stephanus, that they were the first fruits of Achaia. Now, Achaia was the province in which the city of Corinth was located. And Paul says that they were the first fruits. Now, that wasn't the first place that Paul went in the province of of, of Achaia. Athens was also in Achaia. So, it might have been the case that Stephanus, perhaps he was in Athens on business when Paul delivered his sermon to the Athenians, which has come to be known as the Sermon on Mars Hill, and he was one of those men who responded to the gospel. Regardless of where he was at, he was one of the first ones to obey the gospel when Paul traveled from place to place on his missionary journeys. Now, what type of person is one of the first? What type of individual is going to be among the first fruits, those who would first respond to the gospel message? Well, it's not the kind of person who argues with everything that the Bible says. It's not the kind of person who denies the existence of a God of creation... It's the type of person whose heart is open to the message of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, when Paul was writing about the, the division that existed in that particular congregation, he also makes reference in verse 16 that he baptized the household of Stephanus. So Stephanus was a man. He was one of the first fruits who heard the gospel message. He responded positively to that gospel message, and he was baptized. What does that say about him again? Well, in Luke chapter 8, I want to go here just momentarily to look at the statement that is made, and there are parallel accounts in the other Gospels concerning the parable of the sower. But in the 8th chapter of the book of Luke, when we have this record of the parable of the sower, there are four different types of soil, and that indicates the condition of the heart and how one would respond to the Gospel message But the fourth type of soil is the type of soil that we need to aspire to be in terms of our hearts. Verse 15, Luke chapter 8, listen to it, and think about Stephanus. Think about someone who is addicted to service. The seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and they bear fruit with perseverance or steadfastness. Now, I can't help but think about Stephanus when I read that statement because Stephanus was one of the first to obey the gospel, which means he had a good and honest heart. And service requires a good and honest heart. He also was one who received that message when he heard it and then he held it fast. He just held on to it so tightly that his knuckles turned white. He held on to that message. Now that's a man who can be in a congregation where there are so many problems and yet he continues to work with his household to serve those who have been saved by the blood of Jesus. It says that he would bear fruit. That is the good and honest heart. He would bear fruit. There would be produce in his life and he would do so with perseverance. Well, you can't bear fruit without that. You can't continue to serve and to be devoted to service without being one whose heart is steadfast and who is going to persevere in spite of the obstacles. Because sometimes just doing good is not always rewarded. We don't always have a positive response to that, do we? I didn't think about this till just now, but but earlier... um, Our Sunday mornings are probably like your Sunday mornings, you know, chaos. (laughs) Well, Paula's up this morning, and and she's cooking breakfast for the family, and I have all my babies home this weekend. (laughs) The 28-year-old, the 23-year-old, and Micah's wife is here, and Lydia's boy is here. (laughs) So... Oh, six, seven, oh, you're 27, I'm sorry. <laughs> the 27-year-old is here. You just kind of forget after a few years. Uh, you are 23, aren't you, Lydia? Okay, yeah, and then Doug, her, her guy is with her. He's her boyfriend. <laughs> but um, so Paula's up this morning and she's she's cooking breakfast and she's yelling upstairs for Levi to come down, which, you know, that happens every day. But she's yelling upstairs for him to come down and eat, and she's trying to round up the others. Of course, Michael and Keanu were staying in another place, but trying to get everybody, and I was just thinking, you know, this, this kind of is the way sometimes life is and sometimes the way church life is. You're serving, you're ministering, you're doing stuff that's good for others, and, 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 and you have to beg them to come and get it. Now, again, that's just typical Sunday morning chaos and, you know, they're going to eventually show up and eat. But sometimes you feel like that when you're serving and, and being addicted to service. It's like you want to do this good, but then, but then there's all this negative uh, response around you and people that really aren't jumping on the train with you. And how do you continue? Well, you just persevere. You, you, you just continue to bear fruit with Perseverance. And, and that's really the essence of discipleship, is it not? In Mark chapter 10, when, when Jesus was dis- dis- uh, discussing greatness in the kingdom, and he pointed to the, the Gentiles, that's the, the ungodly, and he said, in the world, this is what you're going to find. You're going to find those who lorded over them and, and, and great men who exercised authority. But then in verse 43, Jesus goes on in Mark chapter 10 to say, But it's not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. A Stephanus. He was their servant. He was addicted to service. He had a good heart. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom... For many, far too many disciples. They come not to serve, but to be served. It's not a matter of what they're going to do for others. It's a matter of what they expect others to do for them. That wasn't Stephanus and his household. They were addicted to serving others because their heart was in the right place. The the second thing I would say about this is that... A personal touch is critical. A personal touch is a key to becoming addicted to service. Now, what do I mean by that when I say a personal touch? I'm talking about involvement. You know, you can, you can serve and, and you can do things that you know are right, but, but I don't want to get too close. I don't want to get too involved. I don't, I don't want to really get to know these people you know, any time we use that time, type of term, terminology, what do we mean? They're there, but I don't want to get too close to them. I don't really want to get to know them. I'll do this, I'll do that, but I'm going to stand off. I'm going to be standoffish. Well, let's, let's look at some of the things that were said here about this, this, this man and his, his household. Let's, let's read beginning here in chapter 16. Let's look at verse 17. Paul writes, I rejoice over the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus because they have supplied what was lacking on your part. In other words, they have come here. And they most likely were the ones that told Paul about the problems in the church at Corinth. And they may have even taken this letter back to the church at Corinth. But when when they came, Paul said, they have supplied what was lacking on your part. Well, what was lacking on the part of the, the Corinthians? Their presence. They weren't with Paul. They didn't come to Paul. Not that he expected it. But the point is that when they came, they brought something to Paul that was personal. It was their presence. They were interested enough in the apostle that they wanted to be involved with him. He says also in verse 18, he writes, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. So while they were among the Corinthians, while all those problems were taking place, here's this light. Stephanus and his household. And they were refreshing the Corinthians. And when they came to Paul, they refreshed his spirit. Don't you like the sound of that? How many people do you know in your life that when they come to you and they speak to you and they say things about you, they just just refresh your spirit? Or are they the naysayers? The ones that speak of all the terrible things that are going on in the world. (laughs) You know the type of person who can brighten any room by leaving it. You know people like that, don't you? You dread seeing them come. Oh no, here we go. I mentioned earlier about Ruth Brigham. One of the most positive ladies. How can you be positive when you've been living for 98 years? You've seen every bad thing that can possibly happen over almost a hundred year period of time or hear about it or know about it. She's got a good heart. She's got a good heart. And she's involved. She's involved in in the nursing home in people's lives. She goes around and she talks to the ladies. I say ladies <laughs> You know, unfortunately, most of us guys, we die before we get to the full or when we be put in the nursing home. But there's that involvement. There's that in, involvement in the lives of others. Look at verse 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Paul was an example of this. He's, he's writing here about his, his travel plans, and he says, I, I do not wish to see you now just in passing. I don't want to just bump into you. Say hello, how you doing? Shake your hand. And then, and then you know. Got go to go wash the brethren off my hands now. Now he says, I hope to remain with you for some time if the Lord permits. I want to come and spend some time with you. I want to get to know you. I want to be a part of your life. And, and it's amazing how the world of religion misses so much of this. You go back to the first century and and, and, and if you would have lived then and you were a member of a congregation, you would have heard of people who were members of congregations in other places. And and, and the amazing thing about that is they didn't have the forms of communication that we have today. You you see that here in in this chapter in, in verse 20. Look at verse 19 first. The churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet one another. I think it's five times he uses that word greet here. Greet one another with a holy kiss. When you kiss somebody, you're getting personal. Now that's the same as shaking a hand. And then he says in verse 21, the greeting is in my own hand, Paul. Most of the time Paul had a a secretary, dictate, he would dictate his letters and someone would write them out. But at the end, he always put his own personal touch. That's why we sign our cards when we send cards, isn't it? We could just send a card and not sign it, not put a note on it, but we put a little personal touch. Well, again, that's key to being addicted or devoted to service. You get involved in the lives of others and you will have a greater desire to to serve them. In Romans chapter 1 and, and, and verse 10, Romans chapter 1 and verse 10, when Paul was right into the church at Rome, always in my prayers making requests, if perhaps now at last by the will of God I may succeed in coming to you, for I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us, by the other's faith, both yours and mine. Think about that involvement. Think about that interaction. I I want to leave you a better person than I found you. I want to be encouraged by your faith, and I want you to be encouraged by my faith. Does that sound like local church life to you? Does that sound like your local church experience? And if it's not your experience, whose problem is that? Is it because there aren't people who want to be that to you, or is it because you don't want to be that to people? And then finally... Respect those who serve. I'm going to read the verses here and then I'll try to make sense of what I'm saying. In verse 16, he writes, First Corinthians 16, that you also be in subjection to such men and to everyone who helps in the work and labors. Now, that's the same word. That's the same word that we find in other passages like Wives, be in subjection to your husbands. It's the same word that we find where we are to be in subjection to the governing authorities. It's the same word that Paul used in Ephesians chapter 5, that we are to be in subjection to one another. Well, I want to I make that a harsh word. You are to be subject to me. You are my subjects. Y'all like the sound of that? Well, that's a commandment but not with that tone of voice. Be in subjection to them. Respect them. Remember Rodney right danger Dangerfield? I never get any respect. Show them some respect. <laughs> Show them some respect. Don't be a burr in their saddle. You got somebody out here who's working? Don't, don't try to... Uh, Stagnate their enthusiasm and their fire and and bring them down. Be in subjection and to everyone who helps in the work and the labors. And then in chapter 18, I'm sorry, chapter 16, I'm adding chapters again. Chapter 16, he says, For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge such men. Take note of them, imitate them, follow their example. Now, if, if you find those individuals who are addicted or devoted to service, they have a good heart, they put the personal touch on everything that they do, you get to know them, you're going to want to be like them. You're going to want to be like the person who is addicted to service because you're going to see the blessing that comes to, into their life. You're going to see the benefit that is theirs, and you're going to want to imitate those who are serving and for whom you have respect. Spend time with them. Get to know them. In, in the book of Philippians, we have more examples of this, and, and that's another thing I would encourage you to do as you read through the Scriptures. Just, just take note of those who are like Stephanus. Take note of men who, who are committed and addicted and devoted to ministry, to serving, and doing those things which are for the benefit of others. But in Philippians chapter 2, notice in verse 25, he writes about a man by the name of Epaphroditus. I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. So Paul is sending Epaphroditus to the church at Philippi, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, He was a servant to Paul. He had a servant's heart because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. So he knew they were worrying about him. He didn't want them to be worried about him. (coughs) It wasn't about him. Life, from, from his perspective, it's not about me. I don't want you to worry about me. For indeed, he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him and not on him only but also on me so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Paul's heart would break if something happened to Epaphroditus. Therefore I have sent him all the more eagerly so that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less concerned about you. Now what does that say about involvement in people's lives? You know, they're, they're just, they're worried about, people worrying about them being sick. They're feeling better when people come to them well these are people that we know. Receive him then and the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in high regard, respect him because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. you see you see the 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 service, they reeked of it, didn't they? I mean, they smelled like service. They smelled like servants. That's involvement. That's what Christianity is about. It's not just bumping into people at a church building. It's not just a couple of times a week when you come together and you say, hey, how you doing? Man, Alabama won this week, and that's awesome. Okay, see you and see you next week. It's more than that. Are you addicted to service? Are you devoted to service? Let's all be that. And let's help one another be that. This lesson is yours. Let's go to God now in prayer.